You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily fantasy football podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, this is your host, Vinny Iron, and I'm not doing this. Uh, I'm writing about NFL and fantasy football for SportingNews.com. Come to the site now. Check out all the stuff we have coming out of the Week 11 Sunday action around the NFL. Our latest power rankings are also up, but we'll have our picks straight up and against the spread there. You can check out as well, getting ahead of the action there for Week number 12. But here on Lockdown Fantasy Football, we're up to another week of shows. It's Roundup Monday, that means. We have to uh, look at all the games that happen on Sunday with all the fancy football takeaways you need to know there. And we got 12 more games here as we're still navigating through bye weeks. One more set of that here coming up in week 12. So a lot of stuff to talk about there. We still have one more game here on uh, Monday night. Football in Mexico City, the Chiefs and Chargers, so a lot to be decided there in your fantasy football matchup, certainly with the offensive firepower there on both teams. So we'll talk about that tomorrow on Pickup Tuesday, as we always do, and look at the waiver wire as well for Week 12. But again, a lot to talk about still here at Week 11, and uh, let's uh, break down all the games for you. Uh, we got to start right away here and uh, dive in a lot to get to and a good place to start here is Lamar Jackson what can we say he just keeps doing things that are better and better every week he didn't get a rushing touchdown this week but he had nine carries for 86 yards oh yeah 17 of 24 222 yards passing and four TDs against his Texans defense really bad pass defense overall the Ravens we know have a very good pass defense well the story here is also that they dominated the game. They're blowing them out. Uh, scored there after a slow start, uh, 14 in the second quarter, 13 in the third quarter, 14 more in the fourth quarter to uh, take control of this game. Now, Lamar Jackson was on point. They're actually struggling to run the ball traditionally of late. Mark Ingram had only 13 carries for 48 yards here. Uh, he did uh, redeem himself here with a couple receiving TDs. That was nice to see from Mark Ingram. So a little bit more diversity in the way they're putting up numbers. It certainly was disappointing for Marquise Brown because you saw this Texan secondary, 2 for 23. You see the big numbers from Jackson. But pretty much it was Jackson being efficient, using his running. They rushed for 263 yards in this game. Gus Edwards came off the bench to be effective. So Ingram... Not exa- actually exploding this offense is not running traditionally as well. But, again, you needed that from Ingram. Getting in the end zone twice, he proved that he's a good receiver. Pretty much right now you have to look at uh, Justice Hill and Gus Edwards. If something were to happen to Ingram, it is still Gus Edwards. He had the eight carries, 112, and a TD. Unfortunately, he couldn't play him. The Texans' run defense was pretty good. You didn't expect this or a blowout like this. So you're definitely disappointed if you had Marquise Brown. Not disappointed if you had Mark Andrews. Another solid game for him. Catches all four of his targets for 75 yards and scores. So establishing some of that offense we saw early in the better matchups with Andrews being the go-to guy and Ingram getting the key volume there in the backfield and in scoring position as well. So there's that. But Lamar Jackson, QB1 of all QB1s here in 2019, not going to change. They have the Rams coming up there in a 
week 12, Monday night, there should be more spectacular action there to see from Lamar Jackson. The matchups, he seems to navigate a lot of them. He's had some tough ones that still come through. So Jackson locked in here and uh, could lead you to a fantasy football championship. Now, Deshaun Watson may not lead you to a championship. Yet another clunker of a game. This is three clunkers that he's had. 169 passing and interception, only 12 yards rushing here. So six sacks, not even some garbage production here as the Ravens pull away. A.J. McCarron had to do mop-up duty here. He took a sack, didn't do anything there when he was in. So obviously, when you look at 41-7, to the touchdown randomly came on a 41-yard run by Carlos Hyde when the game was out of hand. So the Texans get that in the fourth quarter. So bizarre, garbage, rushing touchdown. But Carlos Hyde, so if you started him, you were happy. But anyone else... In DeAndre Hopkins, he squeezed out seven catches for 80, but Will Fuller was a scratch. That certainly hurt the Texans' matchup. The Ravens' secondary, very good. So get seven for 80 from Hopkins' 12 targets there. You'll be okay with it. But, yeah, Deshaun Watson, majorly disappointing. The Ravens' defense after that slow start. Remember early in the season when uh, Andy Dalton was putting up some garbage numbers against them? That's not the case anymore. The Arrival here of uh, Marcus Peters has changed everything because it allows Marlon Humphrey to play a sp- slot. You have uh, Jimmy Smith working well as a number two corner here as well. So very good secondary. The defense up front has responded as well, and that's what you're seeing here from the Ravens. So if you're expecting things to get bit, get a, better for Jared Goff and that Rams offense, I don't see it happening in this matchup because they're the only team really deep enough to cover all three receivers. And right now, Brandon Cooks is out. It doesn't look good for Josh Reynolds and uh, Robert Woods and Cooper Cup there in that matchup next week. The next game we'll go to is the Falcons and Panthers, and this one was another shocking result. The Falcons did beat the Saints in New Orleans last week, so being the Panthers in Carolina, not maybe as surprising because of that. But to do it this way, 29-3, Kyle Allen, we've, Thought he was a sleeper, and he did have 325 yards passing. We would love the four in- touchdowns, but nope. It said he has four interceptions. The touchdowns potentially were there, but he was terrible in the red zone again for a second straight week. So maybe teams are catching up to what Kyle Allen does. This offensive line is hurting here. He took five sacks, was under pressure for most of the day. So two straight bad games for Kyle Allen. Really, he's been hit or miss, really matchup dependent. We thought this matchup could be good on paper, but the Falcons' performance last week should have given us a little pause there against Drew Brees. They do get Jameis Winston next week, so that could be another letdown the way Jameis Winston played. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but the story here is that Christian McCaffrey is still going to get the job done in his volume. He didn't get a touchdown because the Panthers didn't score any, but 25 touches, 191 yards here, 11 receptions. So in a PPR league, McCaffrey is still totally beasting, even when his offense doesn't do anything and can't get in the end zone. Uh, DJ Moore has only scored once, speaking of end zone, all year, but still another solid game for him. He's clearly the go-to guy in this offense. He's got the best rapport with Allen, 8 for 95 on 15 targets, so... McCaffrey had the 14 targets, Moore had 15, so that's where Kyle Allen's going to go. They get the Saints this week, so definitely tough matchup there. Hard to trust a lot of the stuff in the passing game, potentially with Marshawn Lattimore returning there for the Saints. So, again, Kyle Allen's certainly not startable. I think he's just a fantasy backup now in the best matchups. 
you could play him, but this one looked good on paper. It didn't come through. And that's what the danger is with a young and inexperienced quarterback, and that's what you saw in this game. But McCaffrey, again, playable, even if his quarterback is terrible. We saw that for this week. Now, on the other side of things, Matt Ryan, 311 yards, but only one TD. Unfortunately, if you played Brian Hill, he did get the 15 carries to lead the team, but Kadri Olison, the rookie there, scores a touchdown from Pittsburgh. So Kenyon Barner also touched the ball a little bit. Uh, they didn't really throw to Brian Hill that much, only one catch for eight yards. He had a touchdown called back by a holding penalty, so that was a little unfortunate. That looked like he would salvage his day as a flex play as an RB2. But uh, didn't come through. Barner actually changed things also with a special teams return touchdown there. So against his former team, he comes through. But, again, you can't trust this if it's going to be a Hill-Barner-Allison split with Devonta Freeman. Out, the receiver, Calvin Ridley, we thought it could be a good matchup. They were banged up there. James Bradbury was healthy. Julia Jones fought through that for six catches, 91. But Ridley, moving around the formation has really helped here that he can go outside of the slot. They had Russ Cockrell and Dante Jackson hurting. Eight for 143. Caught all of his targets there. So very efficient day for Ridley. And a good sign for him going forward that uh, he's going to be a big part of what they do. And uh, with the Falcons playing well, it's all great. And it's a smash spot next week, obviously, with the Buccaneers secondary in shambles. So Ridley and Jones, I think Jones should get going now that Ridley has become a dominant force here on the other side in, in the right matchups. The Buccaneers certainly are that, so that's good. But still continue to fade the Falcons' running game without Freeman, but that means a lot more for Ridley and Jones. And Russell Gage is a little bit of a sleeper this week as well, as he's the guy that picked up kind of the work mostly of Austin Hooper not being out. Jaden Graham as well, the rookie, two two catches for 23 yards. But Russell Gage had a shot at a touchdown. It was called back. Uh, didn't uh, look like it was completed there, so he had a potential score so gauge has to be a factor now uh, gauge graham and uh, justin hardy kind of were the committee to replace kind of what austin hooper gave the falcons now let's uh move on to our next game it's the cowboys and lions and uh, this one is the dak prescott show i mean 444 yards that's right four for his uh, jersey three times over three tds as well so Massive game for Prescott. He adds 18 yards rushing here. We thought it could be a Zeke Elliott game against this Lions team, and it was. It just was not the traditional way expected. He gets a rushing touchdown and a receiving touchdown to kind of make his day worth it. But overall, 18 touches there for uh, 73 yards and a couple scores. So, again, you thought the things are going to be a little bit more here, but they sold out to stop the run. Everyone's all about stopping Zeke. The Lions couldn't stop the big plays downfield. Randall Cobb at a 49-yarder 49 as part of his day, 4 for 115 in the score. So second great straight game for Cobb. He's on the radar. Michael Gallup, 9 for 148 on 13 targets. Mari Cooper, a little quiet. Darius Slay was on the field there. So 3 for 38 for Cooper. But Gallup, Cooper should be starting your lineup every week. Cobb now has some wide receiver 3 appeal based on how much they're throwing it. They are playing the Patriots this week, so there's a little bit of concern there against that defense, but you'd think they're going to be a team that wants to stop Elliott first, and Prescott totally feels comfortable. He's in the zone right now. I mean, we talk about Lamar Jackson and his fantasy season. Prescott is having quite a big year himself, and uh, the Cowboys throw, throw, throw. That's when they're the best and they win, and uh, that's what we saw here holding on to beat the Lions 35-27. Now, 
Jeff Driscoll for the second street week has good streaming appeal. 15 of 26, very efficient there. 209 yards, two scores through the air, and also 51 yards rushing in a score. Very athletic guy. We know that from his days at Florida. We saw him with the Bengals do some running around as well. But now he's taking advantage of some good weapons here and really producing. So Driscoll has to be on the radar. If you lost Matthew Stafford, if Stafford has to miss another game, we can look more in the direction of uh, Jeff Driscoll. They are playing the Redskins this week, so a lot of good little appeal there for Driscoll if he plays this way. We saw Sam Darnold have a big game against the Redskins, so there's that. Now my advice on the Lions' backfield is try to avoid this situation. Bo Scarborough activated off the practice squad. All of a sudden, he's the lead back here. 14 carries, 55 yards, and a score here early in the game as the Cowboys had trouble with the run early in the game. Ty Johnson played this concussion but did nothing. J.D. McKissick, his role was not very existent in the running game, but 3 for 40 in the, in the passing game. So you got by with a little bit of PPR value with McKissick. But I wouldn't go trusting Bill Scarborough because there's a chance he'll sign another guy off the practice squad and he'll be the leader like Trey Carson was. So Matt Patricia doing a Bill Belichick-like things with the backfield, and I want to avoid that situation as much as possible unless I'm looking at McKissick and PPR. Now, receiving, it was a disappointing day. We knew the Cowboys' secondary was pretty good. Now, Marvin Jones ended up being the lucky one, 4 for 43 only, but he caught 2 for TDs on 5 targets. Kenny Galladay, only 1 catch in the game for 34 yards. It came late. And uh, Marvin Hall, 1 catch for 39. So, distributing as well as possible for Driscoll. It just didn't quite come through here in this comeback effort. That's where you heard with Matthew Stafford. The volume and the uh, efficiency there are not always there. They don't trust him as much. And, uh, Unfortunately, that hurt Galladay and uh, the other receivers in this game. T.J. Hawkins only one catch for six yards. So really tough. Looks like Jones is kind of locked in more into what Driscoll wants to do. We'll see if uh, Stafford can return. But Stafford and Driscoll both have some appeal here this week. So one more game we'll talk about before we take our first break. It's the Jaguars and the Colts. The Colts pull away in this one, 33-13. Now, some of the Jaguars end up with two touchdown passes and 296 from Nick Foles. Both of them go to DJ Shark. Eight for 104. He was targeted 15 times. So whatever we thought about the Chris Conley connection, he did catch six of eight for 58, or D.D. Westbrook, four for 32 on six. It's all about Shark. So didn't miss any beat there. Shark playing with Foles. He had the good chemistry with Minshew. Shark is just a very special receiver is what we've learned. He's their main source of offense right now. Leonard Fournette, highly disappointing. We know the Colts' run defense can be tough, especially at home, but only 15 touches for Fournette. He uh, had uh, 57 yards, so very disappointing game. So it was pretty much Nick Foles chucking. They got a little pass happy in this one. We know John DeFilippo gets that way, and we saw it. Uh, the game script kind of called for that, unfortunately, but only nine rushes and. Uh, 47 passes here, so got lopsided, and that did not help Fournette, certainly. With Nick Foles not wanting to check down, keep throwing downfield. Now, Jacoby Brissett came back. He was decent. He did have a rushing touchdown here, a passing touchdown, but only 148 yards. Interception, part of that was the rushing attack was on point again. But the big news is Marlon Mack had 14 for 109. He did get in the end zone finally. But he hurt his right hand. So he's probably going to miss a game. So Jonathan Williams here, 13 for 116, also had a catch for 31 yards. 
Remember him? He was very good for a little while with the Bills. Well, he's back in play here that we have to look at for the uh, Colts. Uh, he likely is going to be the starting back here against the Texans on Thursday in that game. Now, receiver, the Zach Paschal experiment now is Marcus Johnson. They really just went run heavy in this game. Not much there. I think against the Texans, they're going to have to throw a little bit more based on Deshaun Watson being on the other side, the weakness of the secondary of the Texans. It's not going to be as easy to run the ball. So there's that. But uh, Brissett is now back as a viable play in a game like that against the Texans. And Jonathan Williams should be picked up in uh, every league. By the way, Naheem Hines, with no Jordan Wilkins playing, that was why Jonathan Williams was there too. He catch, or he runs in a touchdown here with three for 11, also caught three for 24. So I'd expect it's going to be some split between Williams and Hines there against the Texans this week. So there you have a look at the first four games of uh, Week 11 NFL Sunday. We'll be back with eight more in the rest of the show. But first got to tell you about Blue Chew, guys. That means uh, we're talking about sex again, good sex. Remember the days when you're always ready to go. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. Just go to BlueChew.com. Blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know that works. You can take Blue Chew anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they can work up to twice as fast as pill, so you can be ready whenever that opportunity arises. Now, guys, this is not for just people who can't perform. This is for any guy who wants extra function enhancing their performance in the bedroom. We all used to talking a good game, but this is what you need. It comes during the clutch with your follow-through Blue Chew. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. And because Blue Chew prepares your ships direct and they're made in the USA, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Now, you can uh, try Blue Chew absolutely for free. All you have to do is go to BlueChew.com and enter the promo code Locked On. You'll only pay the $5 shipping, and that's BlueChew.com, B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com, promo code Locked On to try it absolutely free. Blue Chew, the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them for sponsoring Locked On Fantasy Football. We'll be right back here to look at four more games on the Week 11 Sunday State. All right. uh, Let's uh, continue here talking about Week 11 and the fallout there. We'll continue in the 1 o'clock window here of the results. The Bills beat the Dolphins 37-20. Best game of the year for Josh Allen. 256 and three touchdowns passing. Of course, it's Josh Allen. So he has 56 yards rushing and a touchdown as well. Demolishes bad teams. That's what he did here. And John Brown, we were looking for this monstrous game. It came 9 for 137 and two scores. 14 targets here for John Brown. So he's been solid all year. This week he was spectacular as Allen played a lot better against his Dolphins beat-up secondary. And we were hoping for these results and came through. The disappointment here was the rest of the receivers and uh, Devin Singletary, 16 touches for only 79 yards and no score. So it was a Josh Allen, John Brown show passing and Receiving, that's pretty much what this offense has been for most of the year. So tough to trust Singletary, but the volume alone makes him a guy that you have to look at an RB2 or flex. Frank Gore ends up with 12 touches too. So weird usage for Singletary. Touchdowns are kind of hit or miss. Yards is a little bit questionable, but given the state of running back right now, I think Singletary is where you're looking. But Allen, certainly a little bit tougher matchup this week against the Broncos, but John Brown should be in your lineup every week. He has a solid floor and we saw that he can also explode for the ceiling so I might stay away from Allen but definitely sticking with Brown 
in this Broncos matchup this week, even with Chris Harris Jr. on the other side. Now, on the Dolphins side of things, a weird line for Kalen Balaj, nine carries for nine yards and a touchdown. He also had five receptions for eight yards. These are not numbers I can make up, folks. 14 touches for 17 yards. Someone gets a score. Still was not all that impressive. PPR, I guess he got five points there and a score to make him kind of viable, but very ugly. This guy is just not very good, and that's the problem. Devontae Parker dominated again, seven catches for 135. We didn't like necessarily the matchup with Tredavious White, but this matchup got so out of hand that there was a lot of dinking and dunking and some big play opportunities for Parker, and he took advantage of that in garbage time with Ryan Fitzpatrick. So Devontae Parker continues to be the only dolphin here that you can trust in fantasy football lineups with uh, Fitzmagic in there. That's for sure. Uh, Miami, uh, again, tough matchups ahead. Uh, we'll see. They got uh, the Eagles in a couple weeks where Parker could get going as well. But uh, again, he's the only viable fantasy asset that we're looking at out of Miami. Now, we go to our next game. The Vikings had to rally from 20 to nothing down at halftime. They win 27 23 with a monstrous fourth quarter where they score 20 points. Kirk Cousins. So much for game flow not going in his favor against a tough team. He was outstanding here. 319 and 3, zero interceptions. He sacked five times, so he hung in there. He was rated 133.2. They really sold out here to stop Dalvin Cook. It worked early, but uh, Dalvin Cook still got his 16 touches. Modest uh, 57 yards, but gets in the end zone to save his day. The Cousins locked in with Stephon Diggs. 5 for 121, caught all of his targets, touchdown. 5 for 67, caught all his targets, Kyle Rudolph, 67 and a score. So Kyle Rudolph continues to be the biggest beneficiary while Adam Thielen's out. Adam Thielen should be back here after the Week 12 bye. The rest of the hamstring was a good decision. They lost the game, might have been uh, coming into question, but uh, the Vikings win the game with a lot of digs. Digs being very efficient in this game. We were looking for a game like this where he dominated, and he did, and uh, Rudolph again. So good news for Brown again. John Brown facing that same Broncos defense. He's a similar receiver to Diggs, so that helps, and certainly that's uh, going to be good here overall for the Vikings overall that Diggs has gotten going. Unfortunately, you won't have Cook or Diggs or Cousins or Rudolph available to you here during the bye, but again, Kirk Cousins is just smashing it here week after week, and uh, we thought, again, the volume could be low. They want to run, run, run. But here came a team that shut down the run, and it really uh, played well into Cousins' favor. And uh, hopefully that will continue here after the bye with uh, Thielen also in the mix for Cousins, we have to presume. Now, on the other side, Brandon Allen was a gamer again, 240, touchdown interception. Uh, as we expected, the running game was going to struggle. They did get 124 yards, but need 33 carries. Uh, Phil Lindsay only 67 on 16, 31 on 8 for Freeman. Not too involved in the passing game, but Cortland Sutton, we loved him in this matchup. He made big play after big play. He goes 5 for 113, and he also had two rushes for 10 yards here as well. So big game for Cortland Sutton, as we expected. Tim Patrick all of a sudden took over. We were looking for a receiver there. They tried different players. Uh, we know that Sean Hamilton is uh, pretty much gone here. So Tim Patrick returns from injured. He automatically becomes the number two, four for 77 on eight targets. Noah Fant looked pretty good here, four for 60, 11 targets as well. So we kind of know where the targets are going. Sutton is clearly number one. Fant is kind of the two, 
a to be here with Tim Patrick at the moment, and the running game is hard to trust in tougher matchups, and we saw that come to fruition against the Vikings. The Bills, a little bit easier to run on there in week number 12. The next game we'll talk about here in this uh, window is the Saints-Buccaneers as we stay at 1 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday. 34-17, the Saints pull away and win this one. They were in control for most of the game. They were 20-7 lead at halftime. We'll start with Drew Brees. Rebound game as we expected. His type of game, 228-3. Had a Michael Thomas catch. He's having a monster season. Michael Thomas, what can you say? 8 of 11 uh, targets, his usual output, 114 and a score. Alvin Kamara, more like Alvin Kamara of the old, still not a touchdown, but 23 touches here for 122 yards. So great game for Kamara as well. And uh, Jared Cook finds the end zone again, as well as Ted Ginn. So 2 for 33 only for Cook, but he catches one for score. Ted Ginn had only a 2 for 14 on four and scored as well. So those touchdowns should come for Kamara. The matchup is really good here. For the running game for Kamara and Latavius Murray looked good early against a tough Bucks run defense, but they went away from it and uh, went to their strength in the passing game here and the good matchup. So there's that will balance solid attack. I think that's going to bode well to produce some nice numbers against the Panthers here at home in week number 12. Now the Buccaneers, Jameis Winston, this is his Jameis Winston type game. 51 passing attempts, 313 yards, passing two TDs, but four interceptions. He races at least one of the interceptions with his 23 yards rushing here. But again, typical Jameis Winston game. Some turnovers that were his fault, some turnovers that weren't. The biggest story is that O.J. Howard was benched after he kind of caused an interception. Cameron Brate took over 10 for 73. Scotty Miller had some relevance all of a sudden. They liked him in the slot, like a la Adam Humphreys, 4 for 71. Mike Evans had some drops, key drops that hurt Winston as well. Four for 69, only on eight. Godwin, also not great, to three for 47, but gets in the end zone there to uh, make up for his uh, production there in both standard and PPR. So the Bucks' offense, I mean, they got to decide. I mean, when they have 10 different guys being targeted, it's very confusing. All of a sudden, Ronald Jones wasn't the lone receiving back. They got Peyton Barber, TJ Logan, Dario Ogunwale, Miller, and Rashad Perryman cutting to the value of Evans and Godwin, as well as Braid and Braid, Betches Howard. So we're not sure what Bruce Arians is doing, but it's all over the board now. We thought Ronald Jones would struggle running-wise, but he didn't do anything as a receiver. In fact, Peyton Barber got the flip pass touchdown from Winston here. So against James Winston, it's a roller coaster ride. In the end, you'll probably end up with a little bit more than 20 but his uh, turnovers are going to keep you from uh, really enjoying the ceiling of what he can do. And uh, Atlanta, again, the way they're playing this week, it could be another uh, messy festival like this for Winston. And uh, hopefully he'll get enough touchdowns and yards to uh, give you viable production like he did here this week. The final game we'll talk about in this segment here is the Giants- or the Jets, sorry, the Giants were off. The Jets were playing the Giants' rival, the Redskins. Another nice NFC East matchup for the Jets. By the way, the Jets are 3-7, and seven, all three of their wins against NFC East teams, the Giants, Redskins, and Cowboys. That big upset win. Sam Darnold looked excellent. 293, four touchdowns. He did throw a pick there against the Redskins, but he's in the groove here in these easier matchups. Ryan Griffin was his go-to guy. 5 for 109 and a touchdown. Caught all of his targets up. Ryan Griffin, actually the other tight end, Daniel Brown, also scored here in the game on one catch for 20. But 
You really like Ryan Griffin, James Crowder working in the middle of the field, 5 for 76, and a score there on eight targets. Demarius Thomas, 4 for 44 and 5. And even Robbie Anderson, the much maligned Robbie Anderson, only had one catch for uh, six yards on three targets, but he made it count as a touchdown. So Robbie Anderson, a little bit of relevancy, but still this is more about Crowder, Griffin in the middle of the field, and a little bit of Demarius Thomas. Le'Veon Bell looked tough early. It was Bilal Powell was getting a lot of touches, but Bell ends up with – 20 touches overall for 92 yards on the score. So that's what you're going to get. That's pretty good RB2 value you'll take in every week. And uh, Bell came through even with a slow start with Powell and uh, Ty Montgomery being involved there. So this Jets team, very good matchups coming up. It keeps going. They play the Raiders this week, uh, have the Bengals, have the Dolphins. So some very good matchups here to feel great about Bell and Sam Darnold down the stretch. And, uh, I think right now you focus on Griffin and Crowder as their weapons. We know Anderson is very missed and then hit. Demaris Thomas has a low ceiling. So Griffin and Crowder are the solid plays here in this passing game as well as Bell here for Sam Darnold. Now on the other side, Dwayne Haskins actually looked okay. 214 yards and two touchdowns. Darius Geis made him look good on a 45-yard catch and run. He came back. He looked really good, but he only had eight touches here for 69 yards, but Adrian Peterson, they forced him in there. Of course, he only had nine rushes for 25. So maybe Bill Callahan will wake up and realize Darius Geis' future. they got to look at him here and do that. Kelvin Harmon had five for 53 here, but Terry McLaurin, three for 69. Didn't get anything downfield. Jeremy Sprinkle had the other touchdown, the backup tight end there behind uh, Vernon Davis, who remains out with a concussion. So, again, hopefully we'll see a little bit more of Geis after this performance, and McLaurin still... Feeling it a little bit, and Haskins playing a little bit better, which uh, feels us a little bit more optimistic about what uh, McLaurin can do here down the stretch. So we've talked about eight games. We still have four more to talk about. But before we do that, I have to tell you about Away. Away creates thoughtful products designed to change how you see the world. For $20 off a suitcase, visit awaytravel.com slash locked on and use the promo code locked on during checkout. We'll be right back here to break down the final four games of Week 11 NFL Sunday from a fantasy football perspective. All right, uh, let's uh, close the show here as we open the week. Looking at the four later games on the schedule, we'll go to the 405 game. The 49ers rally to beat the Cardinals. They were down 16 at one point in this game, 36 to 26. Don't be fooled about the 36. They got a late... Touchdown there on the lateral wackiness from the Cardinals that allowed them to cover the spread in this one. It was a nine and a half spread. They win by ten thanks to that play. So bad beat or good win, whatever you look at it overall in the gambling sphere and the fantasy football sphere. We look at Jeremy Garoppolo's second straight fourth touchdown game against the Cardinals, 424 and four. Did throw two picks, but they actually kept him on the field longer because that Increased the deficit, and he had to do some more throwing late in the game. So there was that. So 424 and 4. Some funny how sometimes the turnovers can work in the fantasy favor because it creates more passing and the necessity to dig out of a hole. So there's that. Now, Debo Samuel looked awesome. Emmanuel Sanders banged up the ribs. He tried to gut through here, but 3 for 33. Samuel was clearly the healthiest receiver. Eight catches, 134. Hurt his shoulder a little bit, but came back in the game. Ten targets here for Debo. So he looks like a guy. Keeper leagues looks very exciting. There is the future of this uh, passing game as a potential number one for Garoppolo. But he's getting the job done now. Two straight 100-yard games. 
they get the Packers next week. We'll see how he fares there, but a tougher secondary that he'll face. But, again, Debo locked in. We'll see now if uh, George Kittle can come back. That obviously changes his targeting. But the story here was that Ross Dwelly, if you stuck with this just because uh, it was the Cardinals and they're just a sieve against giving up uh, 49ers uh, or any other team tight end touchdowns, well, Ross Dwelly, four catches on five targets, only 14 yards, but two scores. So that's great in <laughs> this tight end landscape to get a tight end to score two touchdowns in a game. So Dwelly, the matchup, that's how good the matchup is. You can plug in George Kittle's backup, and he still performs like George Kittle. So that was great to see. Unfortunately, Jeff Wilson had the other touchdown to win the game with 25 yards. Random Jeff Wilson targeted another team that involved 10 people in the passing game, even without uh, Kittle in here. So spread it around, do that. But clearly Samuel is the go-to guy there. They're going to throw to their tight ends in the red zone without Sanders. So we'll see about Kittle. When we'll see about Sanders there in week 12 against the Packers. It's going to be very interesting. It's Sunday night, so we'll have to make that decision late. So keep all that in mind here with this team going forward. But this morning thing is the running game. Tevin Coleman, 15 touches for only 62 yards without Matt Breed in this game. Raheem Oster, basically a blip on the radar there with a couple catches, eight touches, 27 yards. So... This running game is really sputtered. I think everyone's sold out to stop the run and forcing them to beat them in the past, especially with no Kittle, with the banged-up Sanders. Jimmy Garoppolo has been up to the task, so maybe that will open things up against for the running game. And keep in mind, the Packers are really bad against the run. We'll see if they fix a few things after the bye, but you'd expect that's a game for Coleman to really get it done there. He's overdue for one of those random big Tevin Coleman games next week, that's for sure. Now, the Cardinals side of things, he's had Kyler Murray, two touchdowns, Passing 150 and 67 rushing in a TD. So he looks solid and fancy. Two straight games in a row. It was up and down. It was like a great game or a nothing game. Now you're getting the consistency here. And they changed up their offense a little bit, streamlined it, made it more about Christian Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald gets in the end zone. Kirk, 6 for 41, 5 for 37 for Fitzgerald. So making it a little easier for Kyler Murray. A little running, a little extra thing to keep him going. Now Kenny Drake was headed to a nice game, but only 22 Touches here for 80 yards. It was David Johnson. If you want to call it, it was an active scratch. He basically played, but saw nine snaps in the game. Didn't see a touch. He's not healthy. They're not being forthcoming. We've known this since that game against the Giants. Uh, and they get a bye. So we'll see. I don't know if you're going to read in too much about David Johnson's health. It could be just back or ankle. Watch for him potentially landing on IR. That's too painful for him to play. So very mystery, mysterious. But right now you cannot count on David Johnson here in fantasy football. But Kyler Murray certainly looking like a solid QB1 to finish this year and definitely going to have a lot of appeal in redraft leagues in 2020 in the top eight there at the position because of his running and throwing the way we've seen with Lamar Jackson. Production is there to have a lot of appeal. Our next game that we'll talk about here is the Bengals and Raiders. And uh, this one we won't spend too much time on. I mean, kind of expected. You thought the Raiders would have a little bit more output. David or Derek Carr does the job here. Not exactly the way you expected, but 292-1 and one throws an interception, but 10.1 yards are attempt. He also adds a rushing touchdown to really make his day viable, as we expected. Uh, in a different way, but Josh Jacobs, 23 for 112. Unfortunately, no touchdowns. He also had 12 receiving yards, so 26 touches, 124 yards, very good game, but no scores. Uh, Darren Waller got back to business here, 5 for 78 and 7 targets. 
Tyrell Williams, four for 82 on Claude Alva's target, and Hunter Renfro becoming a PPR more viability here, five for 66, Claude five of six targets. So it's basically the Williams, Waller, Renfro show, Foster Moe, unfortunately pilfered the touchdown from everyone else. Here, the rookie tight end there from Waller and Williams. So there's that, but uh, pretty easy to read into what the Raiders are trying to do. They want to push the ball downfield to these guys, especially Williams and Waller, and then uh, work the middle of the field with Renfro and uh, really be run heavy with Jacobs. And that's what we saw, and they grinded out this win, 17-10. Now, on the other side of things, Joe Mixon, the garbage time rushing producer, is back, 15 for 86 and a touchdown. They're pretty much saying this is our only source of offense. We want to predict our rookie quarterback. So 16 touches there overall, 103, gets his first rushing touchdown. So two straight good games for Mixon, partly because they have a rookie quarterback and just want to facilitate Ryan Finley's terrible Auden Tate, scary injury, four for 56. But Ryan Finley's pretty much destroyed their entire passing game. They're kind of like the Cardinals or the Redskins were just a few weeks ago. We're just about running, running, running with Adrian Peterson. That's what you're definitely seeing here from the Bengals with Finley. They just do not throw him or trust, no, true. trust him to throw the ball and clearly heading out to uh, not be their franchise quarterback there. They're definitely going to go to Joe Burrow or someone else with a top pick now as their own 10 eliminated from playoff contention and headed for the number one overall draft pick. The next game we'll talk about is the Patriots and Eagles. This was the marquee game in the Tony Romo window, so to speak, at CBS. 17-10, also a low-scoring game, exact score of the Bengals-Raiders game. And uh, Tom Brady, disappointing game for sure. 2-16, no touchdowns. There was a touchdown pass in this game. It just came from Julian Edelman to Philip Dorsett. Dorsett left with an injury, 3-for-33 and a score. Edelman only 5 for 53 receiving, but that touchdown kind of really helped his day there in both PPR and standard to be okay. As expected, the running game did nothing. Sonny Michelle only 10 catches for 33, or 10 rushes for 33. James White grinded out 36 yards on five touches in the running game and four passing game, so very limited offense. Nikhil Harry didn't do too much here. Dorsett was lucky to get the touchdown. Benjamin Watson had a brand of big play, but not much else there at tight end, so... It's piecemeal by committee. Mohamed Sanu faded out of the box score. So really hard to trust anything in this Patriots offense that isn't Julian Edelman now for fantasy viable production. And uh, playing the Cowboys next week, tough matchup. I'm not sure I'm going to invest too much in the Patriots uh, here beyond Edelman at this point. Uh, just offense is just looking terrible and not fantasy football friendly. Speaking of that, the Eagles, oh, 214 and one for Carson Wentz, but it was so painful to watch this game. Five sacks. He did get Zach Ertz going again, 9 for 94 on 11 targets. Dallas Goddard, 3 for 36 in the score. They had to do this because all their receivers were out. Well, their main ones, Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, we know is out for the season. Nelson Aguilar drops a touchdown that could have really made Wentz's day pretty solid here. So really ugly around Wentz at this point. And uh, it's the Ertz-Goddard show. They're playing the Seahawks this week. That's where I would only look at here, really. Ertz and Goddard have the appeal. We'll see if uh, Jordan Howard can return. But Miles Sanders was bottled up with only... 47 yards and 37 touches. They worked in Boston Scott behind him. So weird uh, production there. So they need Jordan Howard back. He was uh, underappreciated maybe in this offense. They really missed uh, Jeffrey as well as someone they could draw the attention. It was pretty easy to defend the Eagles. So tough against the Seahawks this week. Uh, there to trust them, even though the matchup looks pretty good. Keep in mind, Quandre Diggs has helped the Seahawks cover tight ends. So could be a little tougher, Ertz, but Ertz and Goddard, just by volume alone, have the most appeal right now in this uh, Eagles offense all of a sudden. 
Now, finally, we'll look at the Sunday night football game. Not much of a scoring clinic there either. 17-7. So we had 17-10, 17-10. Here's another 17-7. The Rams win it, but it was all about the running game here. All of a sudden, Todd Gurley, no more load management, so to speak. 28 touches here for Todd Gurley. 133 yards, a touchdown. He did lose a fumble early in the game, but they stuck with the run, stuck with Gurley. They had to. Robert Woods was a late scratch. There was, of course, no Brandon Cooks in this game. The tight ends were a little bit banged up and played. So running, running, running. There was only 18 attempts for Jared Goff, 173 and a pick. So nothing to see there with Goff. But great if you had Todd Gurley. You've been waiting, you've been holding on to him and having some success finally to see him produce, and he did so here uh, for sure. And I think they'll stick with his game plan. Tougher matchup against Baltimore there in Week 12. I don't expect they're to deviate, though, because I don't think you want to throw in Baltimore with their corners and their pass rush coming on here of late. So Jared Goff totally uh, useless at this point in your season. But Gurley has a lot of hope now all of a sudden with that volume back to what we're used to with Todd Gurley. Now on the other side, Mitchell Trubisky. Terry Cohen, he's been a bigger weapon here of late. He's scored in back-to-back games, 14 touches, 74 yards, and a score here. David Montgomery was banged up. He couldn't get going on the ground, 15 touches overall for uh, 50 yards. So better chances next week against the Giants. So you could really start Cohen and Montgomery together. Remember, Cohen is really the next part. I mean, part of it is that there's a uh, shutdown corner in Jalen Ramsey, 4 for 15 on six targets for Allen Robinson as expected. Got Taylor Gabriel and Anthony Miller a little bit more involved, but Cohen seems to be the most trusted target now. And we'll see about Mitchell Trubisky. We heard about the hip injury, whatever. He was clearly benched for something odd in the late in the game. They do play the Giants. So if he can't get it done against the Giants, really bad defense. He usually is good at carving up those teams at home. Then you know it's kind of over for Mitchell Trubisky here. The writing's on the wall with Matt Nagy overall. But so don't totally fade the Bears. I think a lot of people are going to feel that on we because they saw them on uh, Sunday Night Football and didn't do anything. But they get the Giants at home at a 1 o'clock window in less pressure spot. So the defense coming off a bye, but still very beatable with a lot of the principles here. So Cohen, Montgomery, Robinson, those guys should rebound next week against the Giants. So there you have it. There's a look at uh, all 12 games there on the Week 11 Sunday schedule, breaking them all down for you for fantasy football. We still have one more game to talk about, and we'll do that uh, tomorrow, the Chiefs and Chargers for Monday Night Football. Then we'll uh, dive right into Week 12 and look at the players you should be looking to target on the waiver wire this week to help you with critical week as we're all making a surge into the fantasy football playoffs. So thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Fantasy Football. This is Vinny Iyer. We'll see you next time.